1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Libra Cristo War College. Hey, Wednesday War College. My name is Jesse Romero. I'm here in, in the great state of Hawaii. I'm out here evangelizing. Um, I'll be at a different Catholic church Monday through Friday. Saturday, there's a men's conference out here. I'll be speaking at their men's conference. So I'm here at an, in an undisclosed bunker in Hawaii doing Wednesday War College. And I got my good friend here, Kyle Clement. Uh, Kyle, welcome to the show, my friend. Kyle, are you there? I know he's there. Let me tell you who Kyle Clement is. He's the case facilitator for the, okay, he's the case facilitator for the DeLorean Fathers. Uh, the DeLorean Fathers is the order that was started by Father Chad Ripperger. It's an order of exorcist. Uh, Kyle Clement is a case facilitator and manager, and he's uh, the most literate layperson in spiritual warfare on planet Earth. It's a pleasure to have him on every single Wednesday. Kyle, welcome, my friend. Hey, Jess. It's good to be with you this morning. Kyle, uh, tell us uh, anything going on uh, right now in the life of Kyle Clement that you'd like to let the audience know about. I know you got a book club go, uh, that you're doing every week. Is that correct? What, what else is going on? You got any, any conferences or seminars coming up? Yeah, thanks, Jess, for the opportunity. So um, let me give you a couple of your listeners a couple of websites. First one is LiberCristo.org, L-I-B-E-R, C-H-R-I-S-T-O.org. And the other one is MonteCristo.net, M-O-N-T-E-C-H-R-I-S-T-O.net. And so uh, both of those have an info tab. You can, and then um, the Monte Cristo site is a new site that's up. Got a lot of free things to look at, some videos and some other things and a complete listing of what we got going on. But the short list is um, there is going to be a Zoom uh, retreat, week-long Zoom retreat uh, on the theme of reclamation theology. And this discusses some of the treasures that we've lost in the church, uh, some of the things, practices, and, and observations that are uh, were changed uh, as a result of Vatican II. Uh, and how the efficacy of prayer and the militation and works of the mystical body of Christ have actually been diminished uh, by the liturgical reforms or deforms, if you will. And so it's a, it's a good discussion to kind of take us back and, you know, this is why we do certain things or used to do certain things and some of the treasures that we've lost. Uh, so that's the Reclamation Theology Retreats, a Zoom retreat. You can find out that information on um, montecristo.net. Then there is an ongoing book study. This is the second book in a series. What we're The book we're currently doing is uh, The Ways of Mental Prayer by Father Dom Vidal Lahoti. It's the second book in the formation series that Father Ripperger put together. Uh, we did the first volume, Spiritual Combat, Dom Lorenzo Scapoli. We're now in the second volume, The Ways of Mental Prayer. 
And these were all, these have been recorded. And so what one can do is we can, even though we're halfway through the book study, uh, you can join that book study and catch up. Uh, you also, by joining the book study, you have access to those recordings or those previous ones. You can go back, you can access them, um, you can listen to them. But these are formative classics that really take you into the meat of prayer, the spiritual life, what true spiritual direction is, what true spiritual advancement is, how to pray, uh, how to pray effectively. Um, and so it, it's a wealth of information in a classic sense. And so then uh, coming up next spring, and you can ask for uh, information, next spring we have a series of retreats for those engaged in spiritual warfare as well as exorcist training. <clears throat> Father Ripper and I will train some exorcists. Um, and then there will be general practitioner training, priests in, interested in spiritual warfare. There's a mental health conference this year. Um, and then there is a, a laity conference. If you have any interest in sending a priest or sending a mental health professional, there's scholarship opportunities. People can do that. Um, and so, um, and then next summer, we have three retreats on the horizon. Father Ripperger will conduct um, three retreats, a father-son retreat, a mother-daughter retreat, and for the first time, a young married retreat. So this will be uh, open to young married couples yet to have their first child. And it is uh, all about vocation. It's about uh, the spiritual warfare aspect of vocation, sacrificial theology. Um, it's all the marriage prep we never got. Uh, mm. So that would be a great gift to give a newly married couple or a couple that is, uh, it'll be uh, probably end of June, 1st of July. So it'd be a great, uh, it would be a, a great wedding gift. So that's what we got going, Jesse. Thanks. Wow. That is awesome. You, you got your plate full. That's good. Uh, I know for a long time uh, when the website was down, Liber Cristo, people kept asking, when's it going to come back up? What's going on? So here it is. People have been asking. The website's back up, and uh, it's full steam ahead now. Hey, Carl, you mentioned something, and I just uh, just want to uh, just uh, broach this a little bit. You talked about the, the mental health. I remember the U.S. bishops uh, during the 2002 sexual scandal crisis that erupted here in the U.S., and they ended up going and uh, writing a document called the Dallas Commission document on this. One of the things that many of the U.S. bishops admitted to is that they made a mistake by leaning too much on psychiatry and psychology and not enough on theology. In other words, sending people back to monastic practices. One of the things that I've learned about Liber Cristo and, and getting to know you guys is that the mental health experts, they don't appeal to Darwin or, or Kinsey. They appeal to Thomas Aquinas. So it's... It's, it's, it's a Thomistic mental health, which is quite the difference from the Kinseyan, uh, uh, you know, Darwinian, uh, William Colson mental health, correct? You are absolutely right, uh, Jesse. And you actually just stepped on the tip of the tail of a very, very big dog. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and if you want to wake him up for a minute and look at him, I'm happy to do that. If you yes. want to go on. Okay, here's, here's the scoop. <laughs> So the Dallas Protocol was ingeniously evil, ingeniously written, authored, and promoted in large part by Theodore McCarrick. Yes. And so we have we have to understand that that protocol was actually um, designed from the onset as a weapon to suppress the Orthodox, 
to suppress the uh, Orthodox priest, to suppress the priest who saw that pedophilia and homosexuality, when practiced by a priest, are satanic ritual. Because of the consecration of his hands, because of his ontological conformity to God and to Jesus Christ, anything a priest does in his person, with his body, with his corpus, is ritualistic. So he is either giving glory to God or he is giving glory to Satan. The misuse of the corpus of a priest by a priest is de facto satanic. There was a group of there was a group of priests and bishops and exorcists who were pointing this out that this is not some psychological issue. This is not some societal ill. This is not some uh, antisocial behavior. This is in fact satanic. And those people were very much squelched during this whole thing. As always, the truth comes out, and it comes out in the in uh, <laughs> the strangest places. So. The truth of the matter is, McCarrick and his ilk, incidentally, uh, the infamous five cardinals uh, in this country, the red hats that are directly uh, connected to McCarrick, he had his hands on them, innuendo intended. He had Mm. his hands on them from the very beginning. Wow. I'm not going to name them. You know who they are. They're rising to prominence now in the destruction of the church. That's the dog that you just kicked. Now, under the Dallas Protocol, it was suggested, and it's still being done to some extent, that if a priest ever indicated that he had these issues and they were connected to the spiritual, that's the two big points, and that they were connected to, a, to the spiritual, he was sent to a place for spiritual reprogramming. He was sent to a clerical gulag. The name of that character, yeah. Erica Gulag, was St. Luke's Center, and the director yep. of it for 18 years was Monsignor Rossetti. Who's now the exorcist of Washington, D.C. Correct. Right? Cardinal yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Whose Cardinal Archbishop is Wilton Gregory, a very, very close friend and confidant of Theodore McCarrick. You can't make this mm. stuff up. Mm. Yeah, you know, uh, Kyle, you dog. said something. Yeah, you said something very interesting. Uh, I know in, in, in uh, over in this diocese of San Diego, there's a very famous case, uh, a, a young lady by the name of Rachel Mastro Giacomo, where she was raped in multiple acts of satanic ritual abuse by a Catholic priest named Jacob Bertrand in the context of the holy sacrifice of the mass. And uh, Father Bertrand, and, you know, he, he, he groomed her and brainwashed this devout 23-year-old woman and, uh, and he became her abuser. But this was done under Bishop McElroy. And Bishop McElroy, he, uh, he, ba- he basically covered this up as long as he could. Uh, so it, it, something interesting that you told me, you just said anytime a priest is, is doing something like this, uh, you know, misusing his priestly authority, using the laying on of his hands, this is satanic. That This is just an eye-opener to me. And it really needs to be an eye-opener for all of us because what was happening is the McCarrick's of the world want to point out that this is simply a psychological problem or a sociopathic problem. Let's go. Let's get back to this. Jesus, let's get back. War College. All right. We'll be right back.
Wednesday War College. My name is Jess Romero. I'm over here in the in the, the beautiful island of Hawaii, and I'm here with Kyle Clement on the other side of uh, of the U.S. And we're talking about Catholic spiritual warfare. Kyle, one of the beautiful things, uh, once again, that Libra Crystals providing is is again there's a component of mental health, but even a lot of our U.S. bishops have admitted that they mishandled the priest sexual scandal crisis back that erupted in 2002 because they they realized or they actually stated that they were leaning leaning on secular psychologists uh versus uh the monastic practices of the church so break down to me the difference between a secular psychologist psychiatrist you know that appeals to kinsey and freud and and uh you know colson versus the the psychologists or psychiatrists or therapists that we use at Libra Christu that appeal to St. Thomas Aquinas, what would be the difference in the way they view the human person? It's a great question, Jesse, and I think it goes directly to uh, the heart of the issue. And this is the modern secular psychiatrist does not acknowledge uh, God as a primary principle, as a creator, uh, as in fact deity. And the only acknowledgement of God is that the, uh, their patient's belief in God affects their psychology. They do not ascribe to the absolute truth that there is a God and he created all things. This is first principle. This is St. Thomas. St. Thomas says that because we are creatures created by a creator, we have a link to that creator and we are in fact endowed with certain attributes, principles, and thoughts in the natural law as a result of this configuration to the creator. The modern psychologist will not acknowledge that there is a universal or a natural law. Many of them will not acknowledge that there is in fact moral principles uh, that are attached to that. Um, you do not have to be properly educated in a moral theologian to realize that murder is wrong, stealing is wrong, lying is wrong. These are principles of the natural law that Aquinas says that are imprinted in our heart, that are imprinted in who we are. They're part of our nature. Therefore, that's why they're called the natural law. So the modern psychiatrist does not, um, modern psychology does not ascribe to this. What they ascribe to is that we are largely a product of our environment, we're a product of uh, coping mechanisms, self-survival. And so it deals almost exclusively in the lower faculties. It doesn't use things like um, the faculties of intellect and will comprising reason, and that's what is the unique to the eternal soul. None of that is there. And so the basic difference is St. Thomas says that everything we think, everything that we do, everything that we say, all of our thoughts, words, and deeds – either conform to or in conflict with God and the natural law. And he's exactly right. Mm. His Catholics know this. It's ingrained in us. And so wow. if we sin, if we sin, and, for, and the secular psychologist, there is no concept of sin. There is no concept that something damages the relationship between creature and creator. We as Catholics know that if we sin, this can be, this relationship can be de- repaired, but the real effect of the sin is a spiritual effect. It's a rupture of relationship. It's not emotional distress. The psychologist wants to deal with emotional distress, 
one of the lower faculties and what causes emotional distress and how can we navigate our various relationships with minimal emotional distress. This takes us deep into the lower faculties, removes us from the upper faculties of intellect and will where we engage God and militates directly against it. So McCarrick and his ilk, who can say um, even the promotion of homosexuality, uh, these things, then what they're saying is the norm is wrong. The norm is wrong. What the church has always taught, what our Lord taught, this is wrong. And that is modern psychology's stance. Modern psychology also, especially at St. Luke's, was essentially you must conform to the new norm. You must conform to what the bishops and other people are saying is the norm. We're seeing this played out in spades throughout the church and the mystical body of Christ right now to great um, damage, to tremendous amount of damage. The thing is, is if you have a conscience, if you're aware of the moral law, you smell stuff. You have a built-in BS meter. Listen. Yeah. I lost Kyle here. Kyle, where you at? Okay, go ahead. I'm here. Yeah, go ahead, Kyle. That was it. I was at a stopping point, believe it or not. Oh, okay. Kyle, you know, uh, the I remember reading that the USCCB, they admitted that they mishandled the sexual crisis by leaning on the advice of psychologists and psychiatrists. And as a result of that, uh, the church suffered disastrous effects, and not only financial, but but even in a reputation because of the way they mishandled the clergy sexual abuse crisis by leaning more, the bishops relied more on therapeutic techniques of psychology based on atheism. Okay, because it because again, all, all theoretical orientations from psychology are based on atheistic principles. Uh, and, and the fact is, uh, the, our, our clergy should have been brought back to monastic practices, ascetical practices of a life of prayer, a life of penance. But uh, again, we they, they they lean more on Carl Rogers and and uh, and Kinsey than than on anything else. And and boy oh boy, did we pay the debt? Did we pay a price for it? We we did, Jesse. And and I want to clarify something: is what we've just been talking about in the first section and up until now may sound like diatribe, it may sound like opinion, it may sound like bad credit. You can label it however you want to label it. Jesse knows me well enough. This comes from, this is observational. This is not opinion. This is experiential. This is observational. Cases of possessed priests, cases of possessed victims of satanic abuse, cases of possessed priests or laicized priests who went through the gulag of St. Luke's. Every bit of this is experiential and objective. I'm saying nothing that has not been said or found out through cases, investigation cases, what the demons themselves have said in solemn right, um, and multiple sources. These people keep coming up, the people that I named, keep coming up in these cases of uh, in possession cases and in obsession cases that people are victimized by their action. When a priest does something to a, the corpus of a, of a, of a layperson, it is, it is, there's a spiritual element. He's either conferring sacrament or he's conferring sacrilege. It's mm. really and truly, it's that simple. And these are millstone moments for these priests. These are moments um, 
you know, there was an old adage my grandfather used to say, and I, I remembered, he said, a doctor's mistakes are in the graveyard. A priest's mistakes are in hell. This is extremely wow. important, and this is exactly what we're talking about. Heavy-duty stuff. Kyle, let me uh, let me go uh, and, and, and switch gears here because uh, a lot of people, again, are asking these questions. And uh, you're, you're, since you helped write this book, you're the proper person to ask about it. There's a book out there. A lot of lay Catholics are purchasing. It's called Deliverance Prayers for Use by the Lady. It's a thin black book. Very popular right now in Catholic circles. It's got a series of uh, spiritual warfare prayers. I want to alert you to page 27. And there's a prayer there that's called for cardinal and occult spirits. Um, to me, as I look at this prayer, it looks like an imprecatory prayer. And it seems to me like a prayer that uh, a father can do this. It seems like a patriarchal prayer. What else should we know about that prayer on page 27 for cardinal and occult spirits? Now, so I love the fact that we're talking the language. We're speaking imprecatory, deprecatory. We're speaking authority. Who may pray this prayer? Someone in a position of authority, a, a father, a priest, a husband, etc. Um, and so you're exactly right. Now, let's look at the title, Cardinal and Occult Spirits. So those are two different categories. Let's talk about them in order. Cardinal. And so cardinal, I think cardinal virtues, um, Cardinal has a couple of meanings. Uh, Cardo from uh, Latin is loosely translated hinge when we talk about the cardinal virtues, but it's more accurately translated as pivot. They're pivotal. And so okay. the four cardinal virtues, the pivotal virtues of prudence, uh, temperance, fortitude, and justice have 64 daughters are uh, sub-virtues. Incidentally, if you would like that list, you can email requesting that list to either one of the websites I gave you, LibreCristo.org or MonteCristo.net. But this understanding of virtues, uh, the four pivotal ones, then you go to lesser ones that are still reflective of the cardinal or the mother virtue. And so, uh, for instance, humility is actually a daughter virtue of temperance, moderation. And so when you see this kind of configuration, that's the template or schema that we're referring to here as cardinal or occult spirits. So a cardinal spirit is going to have several spirits underneath it, spirits cluster. And so there are going to be several spirits underneath it. Now, occult spirits. Occult means, in its, in its strict definition, means hidden, occult versus yeah. Got it. So cult is out in the open. Uh, the primary and largest cult in the world is the Catholic Church. This is a, a group of people or, or entities, persons, joined for a specific purpose with a set of beliefs and practices. That's all that means. So this cult has gotten a negative meaning. We, we started to attach a negative meaning to it, and we attach negative meaning to dogma, et cetera, et cetera. What's key is that a cardinal spirit or an occult spirit will command other spirits underneath it. There will be other spirits. There will be lesser spirits which are commanded by this spirit. So let's understand mm. also in the, in the angelic realm, the, the medium of that realm is love and glory to God. 
one angel does not serve another angel because the greater angel says to. He does it because it's a coordinated effort in giving glory to God. On the diabolical side, once that paradigm shifts as a result of the fall, then it is literally hate. It's literally dog-eat-dog. No demon serves another demon out of admiration, loyalty, uh, respect for rank. There's none of that. The best way to visualize a group of demons working in what appears to be concert is look at a pack of hyenas. Mm. Now you've wow. Got diabolical, now you've got the diabolical paradigm. All of them are drawn to the carcass, and it looks like they're working in concert, but each one of them are working individually, and they're subject to the more vicious and larger hyena in the group. He'll eat first. Does that make sense? That's a very graphic description. I, uh, you painted that perfectly. Now uh, I, I can see I can see the way they would interact now. Uh, you're listening to War College Wednesday. Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. We'll be right back talking about Father Ripperger's prayers, deliverance prayers for the use of the lady. We'll be right back. Stand up for Jesus, Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. Kyle, I just got a text from somebody. Uh, he's asking a question about um, what you said previously. He said that was powerful the way you said it, that uh, something about the, a priest misusing his corpus to commit some type of sin is always satanic because his body's consecrated to God. Is that Did I get that right? Did I repeat it right for this uh, person that texted me? Yeah. Correct. Okay. His body's consecrated to God. Uh, his hands are, are specifically consecrated to God. Everything done with his hands. That makes sense. Going back to this prayer here on page 29, you painted a graphic picture about hyenas. You're right. Uh, although there's a mission to eat the carcass, you can see that they're snapping at each other. They're fighting. The bigger ones are bullying the smaller ones, pushing them aside. Uh, but I guess their hatred for the carcass or that 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 thing that they're eating is uh, they they tolerate each other. So the way you painted that picture was was uh, was very vivid. So Kyle, when would somebody use this prayer for cardinal and occult spirits? Give me an example of when it would be used. Say the father of a house or a Catholic priest. When would they use that prayer? All right, buckle up. Uh, classic example. When the father discovers that the daughter is not only reading Harry Potter, but saying some of the spells and has got some of mm. them It just is specifically mm. when you do it. When a father wow. his son, When the father discovers that his son is viewing pornography or is sexting, texting, sending uh, lewd and inappropriate pictures back and forth because... He's now part of a confraternity of everyone else that's looking at those same pictures. Um, and so the evil has an institutional element in both of these examples. And the greater spirits are going to command the lesser spirits. This becomes, um, this becomes a focal point for diabolical activity. 
Wow. That you said a mouthful with that. You just probably indicted uh, half of the United States of America when you said that. Uh, uh, let's move on to the next prayer here. It's called Severing Ties, Bonds, Attachments. That's on page 28. It's, I see it's an imprecatory prayer. Uh, and you can, obvi you can obviously see that this is something, it's a patriarchal prayer. The Father can do this, correct? That's absolutely right. And you're going to notice that you've got... Um, this threefold repetition, the threefold repetition, one of the things to understand about witchcraft, the occult, any of these organized institutional spirits are mocking and, and set up directly against first and foremost, the Trinity and the Trinity in unity. And mm. so the thrice repetition comes again because there's an offense in these particular spirits and disciplines against God, the father, Christ, the son, and the Holy ghost. And so, there is in their spells, hexes, and curses, and in their methodology, there is this threefold. It's the lightest form of sealing, but it is mocking and inverting uh, Trinity and the Trinitarian faith. And so this prayer is meant to obviously break that and, and, and uh, uh, as done by the patriarch of the family or, the, or a Catholic priest over a, over a penitent, uh, the reason there's that this this threefold prayer is is to offset the curses, right? That's done in a threefold manner as well, correct? That's correct, and and the curses all um, are functional with regard to the the um, opposition to God's holy will. So this is why Saint Michael is brought to the fore here. Let's talk about a little of the imagery. We talk about the sword of Saint Michael. And so if you're looking at the 12th chapter of John's Apocalypse, and a great sign appeared in the sky, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon at her feet, and a crown of 12 stars. If you, if you look at that image, there's something which is happening. Is Once the angels are shown the incarnation, the creature Lucifer says, I will not serve. I will not serve a, form, a God who will take a form less than I. This statement is the first tangible thing in creation that is in opposition to God's holy will. God's just shown them his will. He's just shown them that there will be an incarnation. Mm. Protestants and modern theologians get this wrong because they think the incarnation is in response to Lucifer's apostasy. Not so. We see in tradition, and we see even in the Jewish Midrash, that the fall preceded or, or was consistent with the, the incarnation is not in response to an evil act. The evil is in response to the holy act, which is the incarnation. It's a key point. God yeah. doesn't play yes. defense. God does not play defense. God's will is union. His will is salvation. And so it, it, you can't set the demon up on a par with God. But tradition has it that Lucifer made the statement, I will not serve a God who will take a form less than I. And then there's a statement made by a smaller angel. And that statement is, Deus. Who can compare to God? That statement is the sword of St. Michael. If you ah. that, that is the sword. That is which pierces the offending member of the apostate creature if you'll notice it's placed in the mouth of satan often on his tongue yes that's what's happening in that imagery 
That incontrovertible truth, quiescent Deus, who can compare to God? This is the rapier-sharp truth which pierces the apostate tongue of the apostate creature, the statement which is in opposition to God's holy will. So there's the imagery. That's why you're using the sword of St. Michael. And what you're severing is whatever the inconsistency in God's will, whatever was the sin, whatever was the false statement made by this creature which joins it to the diabolical. It's a severing of the psychological compatibility between the fallen human and the fallen angel. Got it. So give me an example. Say a father of a house uh, finds out. Give me an example. Kind of fill in the blanks. How, when, when would he use this prayer over one of the children that he finds them doing what? Okay. So this prayer, uh, you figure out that your teenage daughter is in fact having sex with the bad actor that you, everybody and their brother knows that he's a bad actor, but they're having, in a, well, not necessarily sex, but they're becoming inappropriate. So you would go to page 19, the binding prayer, and you would bind any spirit acting as a cupid between them, which was drawing them together. Then you would sever the psychological compatibility between your daughter and this individual and the spirits attendant to this individual. Ah, so so 19 and 28 go together, Paige, that, for, for, that, for the example that you just gave me. Yeah, you can use them in this example. You can also use it a husband over a wife. Um, if she's starting to run with the wrong crowd, suddenly she's changed her appearance. Suddenly she's changed her topics of interest. Suddenly she's spending time with, quote, the girls or the new divorcee down the street. That's probably severed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so once again, you would do the the binding prayer on page 19 first and then the severing prayer on page 28. Got it. Makes sense. And I, I like the way you explained. The sword of St. Michael is uh, is Kusi Deus, who is like unto God. Correct. Yeah. So there's another application, just so I'm not heavy against uh, the women, because I get portrayed as that quite a bit. Um, just so I'm... The woman has rights over the corpus of her husband, particularly rights that have to do with his discharge of vocational duty within the conjugal act. And so she has a right over his to the exclusiveness of his corpus for that act. So she has a right to not only expect charity, but she has a right to bind any spirits with uh, chastity, but she has a a, a right to bind any spirits which are operating against chastity. So if your husband is, there's going to be a cycle to discern. Number one is he's going to, um, he's going to do little things to make you have some contempt for him because the demon is trying to get him sorted away from you. Then because he's going to read contempt in your eyes, the demon's going to tell him she no longer understands you. You need to find fulfillment elsewhere. When he starts listening to that snake, he starts listening to that voice, that's when he's going to start watching pornography. That's when he's mm. going to start talking to other guys. That's when he's going to become narcissistic. That's when, whenever there's a change in appearance, language, attitude, pay attention, because it's often diabolical inspiration. It will start out as oppression, but it will progress if it's not checked. A woman may pray these prayers not to change his behavior, 
not to uh, put their foot on his neck, but simply to preserve the purity of his corpus. And what you're wanting to do is make those things which are inconsistent with your vocation, you want to make those things um, unpalpable, unsavory, that you want to prick his conscience. Now, we may be a little too specific here. If he is diabolically afflicted and you begin to do this, he will start to ask of you things which are immoral and improper within the conjugal confines of your own marriage. You cannot mm. give in. If you give in, the both of you are going down. Ah, uh, got it. Kyle, on page 29, uh, you know what, uh, we're, we're going to go to a quick break, but uh, yeah, so that, that this prayer on page 28, severing ties, bonds, and attachments, a woman can use it as well for her husband. That's the point that you just made right now, correct? Correct, but it has to be directly related to his corpus, the misuse of his corpus, the corruption of, of his chastity. Yes. Uh, and can she use the prayer in an imprecatory style, the, the way it's written, or does she has to do it in a deprecatory no, style? In this particular instance, she can use it in an imprecatory way because her right by over the corpus is over his corpus. Got it. That makes sense. Wednesday War College, we got uh, Kyle Clement, Jess Romero. We'll be right back talking about all things spiritual warfare. Stick around. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. I'm over here in the, the great state of Hawaii doing some parish missions out here all week and an immense conference uh, on Saturday. Kyle, what's uh, going on in your life in terms of apostolic work? Can you let the audience know what you got going on with the book club and, and a couple of uh, seminars coming up? Oh, thanks for the opportunity there, Jess, to, to put in the plug for what we got going. Uh, I can direct your listeners to two websites, libercristo.org, L-I-B-E-R-C-H-R-I-S-T-O.org, and Montecristo, M-O-N-T-E-C-H-R-I-S-T-O.net. Uh, that'll give you more information. You can uh, inquire there. But the short list is we're in our second book. Uh, we did uh, Spiritual Combat, Dom Lorenzo Scapoli by Zoom. Uh, there's a weekly uh, book study, and then there's a small group discussion on another week. Um, these are Zoom recorded, so if you um, take part in those book studies, you have access to those recordings. Go back and listen to them. So that was our first, uh, Don Lorenzo Scapoli. We're now a third of the way into The Ways of Mental Prayer by uh, Reverend uh, Don Vitalis Lahoti. Uh, these are classic texts that are, were written for formation, to form souls, for, for true spiritual direction. Um, and they really are a wealth of information on how to pray and how to conduct your life and how to, how to engage in spiritual warfare in such a way as to gain uh, holiness and to gain spiritual stature. Um, so those, uh, I can highly recommend those. Uh, it's not too late to join that book study. You can uh, go and 
access the, re the previous recordings and, and, quote, catch up. And I would highly recommend to take advantage of the small group discussions. Uh, this material is rich and, and really brings a, a deeper understanding um, to the cosmos and to, uh, to Catholicism and to our role as spiritual warriors. Then um, later in September, I'm unsure on the exact dates, but what we have is a, um, a week-long Zoom retreat uh, on the subject of reclamation theology. So typically what will happen is you'll listen to a podcast in the morning, which will be your daily reflection point. You'll reflect on it all day. And then in the evening, you'll hear there will be a live lecture and then a discussion following the lecture. And this is going to be on certain elements and, and uh, aspects of our faith that we've lost in the last two generations, uh, what we used to do, how we used to do it, how we used to pray, how we used to worship. Uh, and you'll see that there's been a systematic diminution in the efficacy and holiness uh, of the mystical body of Christ, of the church, through the liturgical deforms and liturgical changes, even the subtle things of changing saint days uh, are eliminating saint observations altogether. So reclamation theology, uh, that's a week-long Zoom retreat coming in September. Then in the spring, uh, right after the new year, all up into the spring, February and March, there is a series of trainings. Um, there will be an exorcist training by myself and Father Ripiger for exorcist priests. We do this yearly, uh, followed by a mental health conference, followed by uh, general practitioner training um, and laity that are interested and involved in spiritual warfare in an organized diocesan uh, way. And so all of those things will be available. You can ask for more information on the website. Uh, I'd be happy to provide it to you. There are also talks or links on those websites to uh, talks on virtue and various other subjects. They're on YouTube. They're accessible for free. Uh, there's a wealth of information on these websites. And as Jesse said earlier, we've, we've waited for this to be restored and back up to where it's a usable source uh, for all of you spiritual warriors out there. And so we're now back up and running and, and come check it out. Awesome. Good stuff, Kyle. Hey, page 29. There's a, a prayer, beautiful prayer here. It's called prayer against, against every evil. That's, this is one of my morning prayers. Uh, it's a, uh, it's a deprecatory prayer. So it's safe for everybody to use. Uh, when would you use that prayer do you, is it a good, I, I use it as part of my morning prayers just to start the day or I'm going to go to the airport. I'm going to go to somewhere in public. I'm going to be around a lot of people. That's what I'll do that prayer, but I'll do it pretty much every morning, uh, right after, right after mass or before mass, uh, as part of my morning prayers. Uh, what else would you say about this prayer? This prayer is a very, very functional prayer. And I'm not surprised that it's part of your daily regimen. It's part of my daily regimen. It's, uh, and we've never talked about that. Uh, as you read through these prayers and you and you go through this book, you realize that there are certain things that you do and prayers that you pray almost subconsciously. It's like stretching in the morning. And uh, the older we get, the more that we are aware that we need to do that morning stretch. We need to do mm -hmm. that morning morning limbering up. But Jesse and I are, uh, and many many of these listeners are, we're patriarchs. Um, what does that mean? It means that we have multi-generational obligation and responsibility to pray, to pray from a place of purity, a place of singular focus, 
Um, and so it, it's necessary. It's not about us at this stage of our life. It's very definitely not about us. Uh, it's about the souls in our care. It's about I had a wonderful conversation this morning with one of our mental health professionals that when the tribulation comes, when these time comes, the younger generation, it's their obligation to take care of the spirit, the temporal needs, the corporal needs. Us as matriarchs and patriarchs, it's our responsibility to take care of the spiritual needs, uh, to provide a, a place of peace, of respite, to nurture the, the children in their, in their faith. Um, and this has been the functional aspect of multi-generational families, and that's been fragmented. I'm having a wonderful experience uh, right here at home, right here at home. Um, the Alvarado family is here. Michael and, his, and two of his sons, his grandsons and his wife came out to visit us. They've been here all week. These are men of the shield. These, this is a multi-generational praying family. Jesse knows them. Um, mm. They've been elbowed deep. They've been elbow deep in the in the uh, dirt and the mud out here, working at uh, a place where we're trying to to make for priest retreats and for a spiritual direction here in Wyoming. They came out. Uh, they've been here, like I said, several days. It's just been a, a wonderful. Um, I really like these guys. I love these guys. These these guys are part of the Shield of Saint Michael, um, and. The shield of St. Michael, uh, he has two weapons. One is sword, one is shield. And so while the shield is more of a defense weapon, it can also be an offensive weapon. And mm -hmm. the real value of the shield is when men turtle up. What does that mean? The Roman legions understood that four or five men uh, abreast could hold up a shield, and they became uh, an instrument of war, an instrument to penetrate, an instrument of advance. Jesse, think about your old riot stance and what you were taught on how to face a riot. Um, yeah. So spiritually, the rules apply the same. So anyway, those these prayers like this bring us and square us back up about who we are, what our role is, what our duties are, what our obligations are, and how we have to stay fit. We owe it to those souls in our in our care to be fit. Good stuff. Prayer against every evil. Next page, page 30. There's another prayer there called Prayer of Deliverance. Uh, I know I've uh, I've seen this prayer in uh, Father Fortea's book. I think Father Gabriel Amorth also, he has this prayer. Tell us a little bit about this prayer. I know it's a deprecatory prayer, so it's safe for everybody to pray. This is also a prayer that's found in the Auxilium Christianorum prayers. Give us a little bit about uh, the theology of this prayer and, and uh and, and should it be used every day? Uh, so it, it falls on Thursday in the auxilium. And okay. I think that the auxilium, one of the good ways to think about the auxilium is it moves us toward Friday. And Friday mm. is the day of sacrifice. Every week we should have some kind of uh, subtle overlay or beat, uh, bass beat in our head that every week must conform to the passion, the passion of our Lord. Um, and so what was he doing on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, et cetera? What is the imagery? Auxilium prayers bring this to you. And so this Thursday prayer is very much about getting us ready for Friday. Um, it's conformity of will, uh, ready for the ultimate act of humility. Friday is the litany of humility in the auxilium prayers. And so 
there's a structure, there's a, a bigger, deeper cycle that we're often not aware of. And so this prayer of deliverance shouldn't be uh, the first prayer you pray. <laughs> you have to be prepared. You have to get ready to go. So what was the first act of deliverance? Um, scripturally, the first act of deliverance is um, the, uh, the exodus. It, it wasn't, they didn't look at each other and say, snap, let's go. There was all this discussion. There was all of this getting ready. And then there's the Passover. And so one must be prepared to be delivered. You don't deliver an uncooked pizza. You got it. There's a preparation. Mm. And so I think this prayer falling on Thursday is after the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday reflections and imagery that leads us to Thursday. And that's the day. That's the vigil of sacrifice. It's the day before sacrifice. Well, that makes sense. Now, now that I'm looking at the prayers at the Exilium Christianorum, you're right. It, it does from Monday, Tuesday, when it builds up to this prayer on Thursday. And then on Friday, the prayer of humility, which is, uh, again, trying to conform yourself to the, to the passion of Christ. N- now I see why you have it in that order on Thursday, because it builds up to it uh, as I'm thinking about Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday's prayers. And I, I'm sure it was you and Father Ripperger, you guys intentionally did it that way, correct? Well, it, it was Father. I mean, I was, <laughs> I just because I can see it doesn't mean I can build it. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> it, it, was, it was very much Father. Got it. Kyle, well, uh, that's pretty much a wrap. Uh, that's, uh, we're at the end of the show here. Thank you very much for coming on board. I think uh, I think uh, the the next time we're on it's going to be you and you and uh, and Dr. Dan, who's over in Germany doing some doing some apostolic work with Liber Christo. But uh, once again, tell us about those websites where people can access information. You bet. Thank you, Jesse. It is LiberChristo.org, L-I-B-E-R-C-H-R-I-S-T-O.org. And Monte Cristo, M-O-N-T-E-C-H-R-I-S-T-O dot net. Please give Jesse feedback. Email those websites. Give us feedback on this show. Um, we want to be sure. That, I want to be sure that what we're saying is covered. There you got it. Okay, that's a wrap. God bless you. We are end of watch. Keep the faith. See you soon. <laughs>